I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. Sponsored by Royal Mail Stamps. Three words that might appear in Iron Maiden lyrics. So get your competition entries in now and win some stamps. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced my life in the 1980s and 1990s, growing up in Birmingham. Obviously, I reflect on them now as well, as a grown-up, 20 years or so later. This week, I'm looking at The Aftermath, which is track 6 on the X Factor album. Last week, I looked at the song before it, Look for the Truth. So let's have a look at some of the comments I had in the aftermath of that show. You might recall that I told a story about my better way around, where there was confusion on how many thermometers a lady was entitled to. She claimed that she should have more than two, but less than four. Now, I cleared it up because it said thermometer and not thermometers in the offer. But Wilfred says, how come you seem happy to use listener when I assume there are more than one? So he asks, can thermometer mean more than one in the same way? What's the difference? Well, well, no. Me saying listener like this is a subconscious podcasting trick to make you feel special. But I don't know why I bother. You might recall Trevor giving us a tip on how to remember things in a certain order by using the items in his house. Now Rupert got in touch and says he's never met Ethel Bald, but I doubt he's got much in common with a hedgehog washerwoman. Okay. And he says that we probably should have mentioned Ethel Bald in the Invaders episode due to his battles with Vikings. So you're too late, he says. Well, I didn't realise there was a deadline on mentioning a king from years ago. So... What do you want? He's just showing off that he knows about Ethelbald. But, uh, no one actually said he was like a hedgehog washerwoman. Trevor just said that the location in his house for him to remember Ethelbald was an ornament of Mrs. Tiggywinkle. I don't think there was any insult intended. Luckily, we had some positive comments and had a nice tweet from Liam LaRue who said that the episode was gold standard podcasting. That's what you want, isn't it? Gold. That's high praise. You don't get much better than that. Now, you might think, oh, well, Iron Maiden got platinum records. That's better. But gold, to me, is great. You don't get platinum medals at the Olympics, do you? It reminds me of gold top milk that we used to get in the 80s from the milkman. This was the ultimate. This is what podcasts should aspire to be. Full fat and full of cream. I remember, yeah, we used to get loads of extra bottles of this as well because my mum used to help the milkman in the morning sometimes. There was also Terry's All Gold, which was a box of chocolates. I don't even get that anymore, but that seemed like luxury as well. And they were my mum's favourite. Funnily enough, she sometimes got boxes of these off the milkman as payment for her services. On the milk float, I mean. Delivery milk and pop. Anyway, thanks for the comments, Liam. There are mixed thoughts, though, on Blaze's woeing. And I mean his vocal woes. Not rowing a boat, of course. Kirsty Prince said she struggled to listen to this song since hearing my episode, as the woes have been ruined. We can add that to the list then, can't you? Along with Invaders and the Ides of March that people seem to think of ruined. On Instagram, Demon 89 said he lost it at Blaze's morning routine. I think that's good. And Guy LeBlanc, well he mentioned Blaze's morning woes, but he spelt woes like W-O-E-S, those sort of woes. I respected this play on words. Let's have a look at this song then, The Aftermath. And we're back to songs that begin with the, uh, rather than songs that have got of the in the title. 
So that's interesting. But most of the songs that start with the have an occupation or a type of person after it, like assassin, the fugitive, the mercenary, the alchemist, the prisoner. But I'm not going to waste time saying all the songs that begin with the. In the dictionary, it says an aftermath is the consequences of a significant, unpleasant event. Now, if this song had been released in the 1980s, I'd probably have to refer to unpleasant events like being made to eat a wax crayon by Caroline Blissett, or having my Star Wars figures thrown on the school roof. In the 1990s, it was more people laughing at me as I carried my box full of betterware orders around the street. Now, these incidents, these events, they had consequences, often tragic ones, these aftermaths. But anyway, this is a podcast about Iron Maiden, so let's get on with it. The song begins with a nice, dramatic, acoustic opening. And it feels like I've said this a lot on this album. We also get some cymbal scrapes from Nico, which is quite nice. Almost like a delicate tickling. When it all kicks in, though, it's got a similar feel to other rock songs, you know, quite basic. And it seems like some of the weaker songs on Fear of the Dark, and that, those slow drums. I'm not really that excited by this. When the vocals come in, though, the lyrics fill in the gaps of the music nicely. So when the music almost pauses, Blaze Bailey carries on. He says, silently to silence fall in the fields of futile war. And there's some nice alliteration there, which I'm sure Trevor would have mentioned, but I've done it first. So here we go then. It's another song about war. It seems to be against it and about the impact of it. It talks about boys and toys, and, and I remember having guns as a boy myself, playing with them. Toy guns, of course. And uh, yeah, I played war as well, maybe with army figures. And we had cap guns. Uh, they were quite nice. They smelt nice as well. Uh, these were normal, I suppose, at the time. And of course, we had water pistols. And Trevor mentioned his Super Soaker 3000, didn't I, a while back? And you might recall the aftermath of that, when Michael Patterson used washing up liquid. Trevor threw some rocks, but uh, I don't think he wants me to mention this. But this song isn't about fun and playing in the back garden. This is the reality of boys going to war. When there's a change in the sound from the verse, the words now follow the music. In the mud and rain. In the mud and rain. What are we fighting for is... That's not as exciting and maybe a bit stop-start, but it flows okay. Now, in the mud and rain, that reminds me a bit of Trevor's poem in The Trooper. And I've said that a few times on this series as well. And maybe that's because of the song themes on this album. But it's also one of the few poems of his I remember. It says, what are we fighting for? Should we be fighting at all? So that's, again, a constant theme in Iron Maiden. We've had it before, and we'll get it again as well. You know, Mother of Mercy comes to mind with these lyrics. Now, Anorak listeners of the show, and there are some of you, might remember when Trevor mentioned this song back in an 80s episode, and he said he thought it was about Steve Harris's divorce. Funnily enough, that was in the Trooper episode. See, so a reminder of that moment. I don't know, there's a lot of songs about war, isn't there, with Iron Maiden? Yeah, but some of them are obvious. 
What do you mean? Well, this one's clearly about a specific battle, but it also could be quite generic about war. But then some songs, like The Aftermath, when I hear that, I think Steve Harris is writing about his divorce and sort of the battle between the couple. No, it's not. He talks about the modern rain. Isn't that like the trenches or something? Oh, yeah, but when he says, what are we fighting for and uh, who will take the blame and should we be fighting at all? I think that's what couples go through when they break up, like when they decide what DVDs they want. Well, it can't be, can it? It was written in the 90s, there weren't DVDs. It talks about mustard gas. How, how did that feature in Steve Harris's marriage break up? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe it means something else. OK, well, I don't think that's a very good example, but maybe you're right. Maybe they do write songs about war meaning other things. I don't know. I feel like this started off quite academic with, with your knowledge of poetry and, and now you just ruined it by making a complete hash of analysing the aftermath. So luckily we've got a couple of years probably before we get to that episode so you can sort of perhaps do some more research on it. All right, Wayne, well, that's just my view. When I heard it recently, I thought that. I thought it might be about his breakup because that was around the same time, wasn't it? Yeah, not one of his finest moments. A bit like the water pistol incident. Maybe I'll mention both of these later. After that section, um, there's a bit of an acoustic breakdown. It's quite, it's quite pleasant, similar to the intro. That's quite a nice change again. Um, but then like, you know, it starts again almost, like a, a cycle. And I feel the guitar in the vocal section is a bit rigid overall. I'd like them to have let loose a bit. The lyrics in this section say, Bodies, arms and legs are strewn Where mustard gas and barbed wire bloom. It's, it seems quite poetic. It's maybe more graphic than poetic. Once again, we reminded of some of those lyrics where they are quite detailed in, in nasty ways, like Invaders or The Trooper, or, or Run to the Hills. Then he says, Each moment's like a year. I've nothing left inside for tears. So this is the aftermath, obviously, um, remembering those times. And we're reminded of this so-called fortunes of war, the aftermath of war. What does a soldier become, remember? And this is what they become. Nothing a shell of themselves. Now at the time of this song, maybe there wasn't that much awareness of the impact on mental health and post-traumatic stress disorder. Nowadays we've got veterans charities to raise awareness, so maybe things have improved, but it's still worth mentioning, isn't it? Okay, let's try and change the mood a bit. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. I'm Yannick Gers from Iron Maiden, and welcome to another Getting Jiggy With It. I'd like to thank Karen, who wrote in saying she was confused about a saying to put your toes together in the Man on the Edge dance. There are so many options, I do apologise. I meant your big toes together, of course, with your feet side by side. I hope that clears it up. This week, I want to lighten the mood. There's so much gloom on these songs, so let's try and bring some light into our lives with a happy dance. First of all, stand up, engage your core. Breathe in and out. Get them worries out of your body. Now, let's see how much you've learned so far. Try some waving. Both arms. Now, a lot of people ask us, what's the difference between a wave and a window wipe? Well, a window wipe is more a circular motion, and we use that when we want to use dance to cleanse ourselves. Wipe that window if you like. Wave and wipe the window, like a window cleaner cleaning your office block. Hello. That's what you do. Next, you can stroke the cat. Remember... Stroke the cat. Hear that cat purr. Everyone is happy when you do a happy dance. Now, let's try something new. The snappy duck beak. 
Get your hands out and snap them like a duck beak. Then do the funky chicken and end with some of Wayne's moves that turn around and clap. There you go. I tried to get the other members of Iron Maiden to do these dances, but they're not interested in it. Hopefully that'll cheer you up. I'll see you soon for another Getting Jiggy With It. Getting Jiggy With It. In this second verse, it mentions a ploughman as well, um, which is interesting. And having ploughman and mustard in the verse makes me think of a ploughman's lunch. And uh, hopefully you know what one of them is, but it's a historic meal that used to be served in inns, in rural areas, you know, way back. When that was all they had, they didn't have loads of choice on the menu. They just had some bread and cheese. And the ploughmen, or workers in the field, they were happy with this. So it's called a ploughman's lunch, and it's still quite popular today. And when I say ploughman's lunch, it's called ploughman's lunch. Not, not ploughman's dinner. It's not a regional thing. It's ploughman's lunch, wherever. Nowadays, it's evolved a bit. It's not just bread and cheese. There's cold meat and pickle. And maybe a pork pie, if you look at but this ploughman isn't about a ploughman's lunch, of course. It's about the field. Um, you know, he created that field where bodies now lay. So something simple and idyllic becomes something grotesque and hideous. So we've had two choruses, I think, and it feels a bit meh overall. And it's not even three minutes gone, and it, somehow it feels a bit of a drag. Nothing really to bring it to life. But then there is a change. It's sort of almost like a slow down. He says, after the war, left feeling no one has won. And in this section, the vocal and the music, again, follow each other. And yeah, again, repetition from Fortunes of War, isn't it? Now, despite this theme, I feel the music could be a bit more intense. Now, I wouldn't say it's cheeky, but it seems a little half-hearted, low on energy, if you listen to it. And I mean, you can be slow and doomy, and that makes sense. But I don't think this quite gets there. That, it doesn't do that either. especially strange because next we get this groovy section and then we get this nice guitar on top of it even though it sounds all right I'm not sure what mood they're trying to get here seems like maybe it should be a reflective phase of the song but it's a bit skippy I can imagine skipping along to it and I don't feel like I want to skip if I'm thinking about the aftermath of war. Then we get a few musing lyrics, um, and then you get a drum fill before a solo. And the solo is actually quite decent. I'm not sure if I think the solo's decent because things up to this point have been pretty straight. Although it does eventually lead to the melody of the vocal line where it says after the war. Um, it just repeats that. And I, yeah, that's not very imaginative either. It's, it's generally just a bit average, this song. And then we go back to the after the war section. So yeah, there we are then. So another song which uh, talks about events of the past, but you know, puts them in perspective today as well. They're, they're relevant, past and present. And talking of time, I had a visit from Paul Diano this week. Yeah, we went to the CAF again. So let's let's see what happened. 
Well, here we are. How are you holding up? What do you mean? I mean, covering all these depressing songs. I'm just looking out for you. I thought I'd try and cheer you up, pay you a visit. Oh, yeah, thanks. That's similar to what Yannick said. Who? Yannick. He replaced... He replaces Adrian. Oh, yeah, that's right. Can you buy the cake, though? These pair notes aren't legal tender in your time. Oh, yeah, OK. Well, as you mentioned, I'm looking at a few war songs on the current album, the current series I'm doing, World War One, particularly. Did you ever think about going back to that time, your time travel? Nah, I'm not sure that's an attractive destination, to be honest. I'm not sure I want to see all that. Yeah, you never know, though. It might be good to get the gadget to take me back to dear old Blighty at that time. And all the soldiers at war, or the ladies left at home. <laughs> know what I mean? Unfortunately, I do. Yeah, I'm only joking, Wayne. Anyway, I've been to the 90s lately. I thought I'd check in on you. I saw you doing the better wear. Walking round with your box. Do people really wear green cords in the 90s? Well, I did. Who was that character on your T-shirt? I don't know. Like a cartoon. You know, a black drawing with sunglasses and spiky hair. Oh, right. I think that's Fido Dido from the 7-Up adverts. Oh, right. Oh, Harry likes to drink that. Did you know? Yeah, I did. Yeah, well, I've come from the future today. Quite a lot going on, of course. I suppose you want to know the set list for the Days of Future Past tour. Not really. You're joking, mate. No, I don't want to know the future. It's not good to know. Well, this is your chance, innit, to get one app on those Ever I Maiden podcasts. An exclusive. Nah, I think I'd like it to be a surprise when I'm at the Birmingham show. I don't think I want to know. Oh, well. Anyway, you'll love it. Do you want any clues? No. Well, let me tell you. It's going to divide opinion. Well, knowing I'm Maiden fans, I don't think that's an exclusive. Yeah. It's quite hard to talk to you, to be honest, Wayne. Can you bring your mum next time? No. Anyway, you seem to be doing a lot of time travelling. Shouldn't you be focusing on your real current time? Haven't you got the Killers tour to be getting on with or something? Nah, it's all right. I can generally get back okay. Although, I think my timekeeping's being noticed by the band, though. Might get a sack if I'm not careful. Now, I mentioned last week that some vocal harmonies could have helped like, you know, the woes in Look for the Truth. But I didn't demonstrate any, and perhaps I should have done. But uh, I think we need Dennis Stratton in the band for this, or Adrian. Because when Steve and Yannick do backing vocals in the 1990s, it just ends up being like gang vocals, and I don't want those. So here's what it could have sounded like. Right, the song ends with an O at the end, and there's a few bum notes in it. When I say bum notes, I don't mean a fart, or this. I mean, I suppose it's a bit flat, but at least it's the only O or woe on this song. It's hardly a cheery matter, is it, this? And it's a good job I'm not doing a comedy podcast having to cover these songs. <laughs> Imagine that. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring. Hiya, Wayne. Hi, Trevor, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright. So what you been up to? Not much. No anger at cereals? No. No emotion at all about cereals? Well, indifference maybe. Hmm. You don't sound good. You sound in a bad mood. No. Well, I've been trying to make a tub of revelations for you to do the stamp competition. Yeah, that's right. I want to draw names out of it. 
but I can't find a bag of revels anywhere. They seem to be out of stock. Okay. Wonder if they've been withdrawn and nobody told us. Well, well, why would they tell us? Well, I mean humanity. They haven't told humanity. They removed topic bars on the slide, didn't they? Probably blaming Brexit. And Terry's all gold. Same thing happened there. Yeah. Okay, well, at least I know you're all right now. What do you mean? I mean that this is more like you, this nonsense. So what do you think about the aftermath? Yeah, it's okay. Overall, it's not too great. On this subject, though, can we mention the French trip? Oh, no. I think we've had enough of that. I don't mean the St Mallow one. Oh. I mean the history trip, when we went to Ypres and the Somme. This trip was before the song came out, though. But I remember the impact of seeing where the trenches were, the battlefields and those graveyards. I wonder if they've still got the visitor books from the early 90s. Probably some of my poetic thoughts in there for fans. Well, no, I don't, don't think so. I imagine they've destroyed anything like that. Nah, I might go back and look. I remember it was quite a profound and moving experience. I could almost smell what happened. Smell? Yeah, it was in the air and the mud. The same mud the soldiers would have smelled. I could smell it in the museums as well. Well, it's probably the mud stuck on the bottom of your shoes. No, it wasn't that. There was definitely a smell, like a mist over the whole area. OK, yeah, well, it was a good trip. I remember we went to France and Belgium. I had a half a pint of Cronenberg. And the teachers allowed it, and I wasn't sick. That wasn't me. We were 14 years old as well, before anyone writes in to complain. I think that's OK in France, isn't it? They're a bit more laid back, aren't they? Laissez faire. Laissez faire. Eh? Laissez faire. That's how you pronounce it. All right, well, it was a good trip anyway. Yeah, the chips in Belgium were nice. Fries, they were called. Well, that's, yeah, that's not unusual. We knew what fries were. That wasn't new. Well, yeah, just seemed more exotic in Belgium. Didn't you buy some Belgian chocolates for your mum's friend Christine? No, I didn't. I remember I discovered a lot of good music on that trip, sharing tapes with other boys, because we all packed our Walkmans, The Clash, Metallica, Megadeth. But Mr Douglas would only play Billy Joel on the minibus stereo. Billy Joel? Yeah, that's how he pronounced it. Remember, we all had a good laugh about it in the hotel. OK, well, shall we get back to Iron Maiden? Uh, what do you think about the lyrics? Yeah, good. It reminds me of Passchendaele a bit. Obviously the same era in time. But there you get mud and lead instead of mud and rain. It's almost like this was a test run for the main event years later. The song, I mean, not the war. In fact... Guess what? What? You can sing the verse to Passchendaele to this tune. Okay. In a foreign field he lay, lonely soldier, unknown grave. On his dying words he prays, tell the world of Passchendaele. Shall I carry on? No, please don't. Uh, probably best not to, uh, before you ruin both songs. I quite like the line, when mustard gas and barbed wire bloom. It's quite poetic. Yeah, it is, yeah. I've already mentioned that. It's a nice contrast, because normally it's nice things that bloom, like flowers, or my body in puberty. But these are harsh things. Yeah, yeah, good point. I wonder if the aftermath was inspired by the poem by Siegfried Sassoon. What poem? It was called Aftermath. He was a war poet, but I'm sure you know that, Wayne. Yeah, 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 I do. He talks about the lads rather than boys, but the effects of war as well. Similar themes of loss and futility, how they had to become men quickly, 
They didn't have the choice. And having the springtime of their lives before having it all ruined, like the ploughman's field, all green and nice ones. Now we're in the autumn of our lives. We've lost our youth, but now we've got wisdom. What are you going on about? Now in the Trooper episode, do you remember that far back? You mentioned that you thought the aftermath was about Steve Harris's divorce. Do you remember? Yeah. Well, I played that section earlier for the listener to remind them. That's nice of you. And I reminded them of you throwing rocks at Michael Patterson after the water pistol fight. Well, there's no need to. Listeners will remember that. The poem for Rathchild. Most of them probably read it once a week. I doubt it. Anyway, yeah, divorce. I stand by it. I still think that. I think there's an underlying reference there. What are we fighting for? Is it worth the pain? Who will take the blame? That's probably what I said back then. You know, they're left feeling no one has won. That's what must happen in a divorce. What do you know? Don't know, but yeah, what do people become? We don't know. And, you know, I can compare to my breakup. Well, me and Pamela, we were like soldiers in the battle of love. You can't compare soldiers at war to you two, you know, sat there in a bath with some blancmange. No, of course not. That's a love relationship. War is hate. Okay, well, anyway, have you got a poem for us this week? Yeah, although I feel it's quite hard to write poems on this subject. You know, it's a mixture, isn't it? I've got a claim for the trooper, but then I've got silence for my fortunes of war poem. Okay. Well, maybe it's easier to write one, though, about the aftermath following a bad incident. What, like the special ornament? No. The special laminator? No. Okay, just get on with it, then. I kissed a girl and I liked it. Oh, come on. What's the matter? Well, that's a song, isn't it? I mean, that's a title. You can't just nick it. It's not nicking it. Just a reference. Does that mean that no one can kiss a girl and like it anymore? Just because of the song title? Well, no, but it just seems... Anyway, sorry. Get, get on with it. I kissed a girl and I liked it at the rugby club disco in Shirley. I tried to sneak out early while they all danced to Wigfield, but they noticed. The chanting behind the goal at school, the aftermath, the taunting, the laughs. I let in ten, so I never spoke to her again. Okay, um, what's that then? Well, it's all there in the poem. I kissed a girl at the disco and then was made to regret it by some cruel taunts. I was playing football, I was in goal for the house team. I had a nightmare, everyone was chanting about the incident. I struggled. You can't take a song about the horrors of war and write about a trivial incident like this, playing football and after kissing a girl. Well, I don't see why not. It's it's made an impact on me. It was a shame. I mean, listeners, probably, I need to make it clear I was a good goalkeeper. Just the introduction of the back pass rule at this time, it ruined me. Probably ruined the career of several promising goalkeepers then. And ten goals... That was over three games. So, you know, I don't want people having a bad impression of my keeping skills. Okay. I used to be called the cat, remember? No. I used to sing, I'm Trevor the cat, and run around the playing field. I don't remember any of these. Okay, well, next week, um, Judgment of Heaven, so hopefully you'll get a good poem for that one. Yeah, I feel it's hard to do these subjects. Feels wrong. Well, you shouldn't be limited. You, you told me once, yeah, you said, these are the troubles of a troubadour. I'm sure those are your words. Yeah, well, I suppose it's good to be challenged, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so if you'll get a poem then, uh, I'll speak to you next week. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. 
right, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I've also got a Ko-Fi page, and you can see the link in the show notes. Uh, I've also got three membership tiers now, so that's exciting. And uh, yeah, this week I've had Daniel Armstrong and Martin Jones join, so thank you very much. I had a few comments from people uh, after a few weeks back. I said about the three bonus tracks that you get on this album, the B-sides, and uh, it seems that people want me to cover these, these three extra songs. So I'd like to say that's disappointing, but in Chapter 1 of Podcasting for Dummies, it says that you need to show enthusiasm for your subject matter. So yeah, great. Thanks a lot for that. There's also a live version of this song, The Aftermath. It's on CD2 of the Angel and the Gambler single. And then also, it appears as bonus tracks again on the Japanese version of an album, Virtual Eleven. I almost don't want to hear it. But uh, yeah, I suppose I've got to, haven't I? It's recorded in Gothenburg, in Sweden. And it starts off with Blaze Bailey trying to rouse the crowd. He says, come on. And he says it three times to try and get the crowd excited and to cheer loudly. And then he tells them they're about to play the aftermath. And there's a few cheers. Maybe about six people. They're probably annoyed that he tried to liven them up, only then to tell them they're about to play the aftermath. Now the song before this in the set was The Evil That Men Do, so surely he didn't need to get the crowd going after that. Listening to this though, uh, the recording quality is okay. It's probably not live album quality, but probably better than live at Donington. Play sounds pretty good live at first, and it all goes wrong a bit at that acoustic breakdown when he's holding that note, the all of should we be fighting at all. Yeah, that's not so good. Overall though, it's pretty good, but it isn't exciting. Although the instrumental bit where he says, I'm just a soldier, that sounds better. And if you want to hear it, it's on the Best of the B-Sides album. It's actually on the official Iron Maiden YouTube channel, this live version. But there's no live video, there's just the cover of that Best of the B-Sides compilation. It was only put online a year ago, which is strange. But there's no comments either, not even from Suzanne8836 or whoever she is. So I told Trevor to leave a comment so he could be the first person. So I'm going to check he's done that later. So that's the aftermath then. And after listening to this song, I imagine that no one feels they've won in liking the lyrics. I normally do top three songs, don't I, on an album special, but I don't think this is going to make it. It's probably even bottom five. Maybe it's even the worst song so far that I've covered. But it somehow doesn't feel terrible. There's no laughable chorus or groan moments. Just sort of consistently mediocre. I noticed that it's another song written by Gers, Bailey and Harris, same as last week. So I wonder if any song that's got three writers is any good. Thinking back, Die With Your Boots on, Can I Play With Madness? I know there are some before you're all writing, but uh, just, a, just an observation. Luckily, we're back to one writer next week, one songwriter, Steve Harris, and he's written Judgment of Heaven. So we'll find out about that next time. But for now, I'm going to leave you with a bit of the aftermath. So thanks for listening. Bye-bye.